know, that's a pretty powerful proclamation, isn't it? I love that phrase, your goodness is running after me. You know, that's the story of Christmas this morning. The story of Christmas that while we were dead in our sin, while we were hopelessly lost, the goodness of God through Jesus Christ came into our world. He stepped into history on behalf of us. And so we're proclaiming that this morning, that his goodness is running after us. But let's proclaim something else this morning as well. That God doesn't just want to run, his goodness doesn't want to just run after us. That his goodness wants to run after those that are not good. His goodness wants to run after those that have never seen goodness. That we're in the middle of this series together, Christmas Conspiracy. And the whole point of the series is this, that we want to conspire against our consumption culture to make Christmas meaningful again. And not just meaningful for us, but to make Christmas meaningful for those in a lost and dying world who have never seen the goodness of God. That's our desire, that we would be motivated to step outside of our consumption culture and our consumption life to spend a little less and give a little more so that others may know the goodness of God. So as we proclaim that this morning, as we sang that just a minute ago, your goodness is running after me. Man, help it to be our prayer that not only goodness would run after us, but that God would use us to allow his goodness to run after others in a lost and dying world. So let's pray together this morning as we start. Father, everything we have is yours, Lord. Everything we have is yours. We want to surrender everything to you this morning, Lord. All of our stuff, all of our resources, all of our wealth, all of our all of our time, all of our treasure, all of our plans, all of our dreams, God, we want to lay them open-handed to you, Lord, and say, God, whatever you need, whatever you want, God, we want you to take. So that your goodness, Lord, cannot just be just for me, that your goodness would not just terminate on me and my life, but God, that your goodness would flow through me to a lost and dying world. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. God, help your word to be open. Help us to be obedient this morning, not just to hear your word, but to do your word. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Well, we started last week by asking this question, and it's a question I want us to start again with this, this uh, morning, and the question is this, what does Jesus want for Christmas this year? What does Jesus want for Christmas this year? We know what we want for Christmas this year, but what does Jesus want for Christmas this year? We summed it up last week into four main things I believe that Jesus wants for Christmas this year for us. And, and they're this, it's that we would worship fully, that we would spend less, that we would give more, and that we would love all. That if you could sum up what Jesus wants for you this Christmas, it's those four things. Worship fully, spend less, give more, 
love all. That the value of Christmas, the worth of Christmas is not found under a Christmas tree. It's found right here within us. The power of God working through us to make Christmas meaningful again. And our church has given you a very tangible way to do this. If you're just joining us this week, I want you to go ahead. Actually, everyone, go ahead. It's right there in front of you. Pull it out if you're sitting on the front row. It's underneath your seat. Go ahead and pull out this guide right here. This is an opportunity for you to do this very thing. It's an opportunity. It's not the only opportunity, but it's one way, one tangible way that God can use you this Christmas to worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all. And and guys, I'm going to just tell you, this isn't something that's meant to just throw a little something to. This is meant to stretch us, right? To stretch our generosity. To say, you know, I can afford maybe a $10 Bible and then go and eat at Me Pubs for 50 bucks that afternoon, right? No, it's more than that. It's saying, Lord, stretch my generosity. Let me have open hands to give what you want to, for me to give this Christmas season. And today, man, the commitment to that is a, is a strong commitment. It's an opportunity today to give in a generous way that impacts far beyond December 25th. And we've set this up that from the wealthiest CEO in our church to the eight-year-old with an allowance can be a part of this very thing. And I'll just say it. Last week, you guys did not disappoint. Man, God has been doing some incredible things through this. We have goals here, and our desire is to reach every single one of these goals before the end of Christmas, and you guys are not disappointing. I could talk numbers, but I'd rather talk more about what God's doing in the hearts of people. I had a literal eight-year-old come up to me, an eight-year-old with allowance, come up to me this last week and say, I want to give a, a generous portion. They didn't say generous, but after he told me how much he had saved, he's giving the majority of his saved allowance away to buy chickens in Guatemala. An eight-year-old with an allowance. Uh, I, I heard another gentleman in our church that's, that's decided to generously match whatever we bring into the IMB mission offering. That goes to Annie and Charlie in their respective countries. Someone to match that. Warehouse Wednesday night, warehouse student ministry. They gave a, a, a love offering. And these are, these are kids, right? There's 70 plus kids there. Uh, they didn't even really know what they were going to be given to. And Christian puts it before them. Uh, that they're going to give to plant a church through East-West Ministries. They raised $308 just Wednesday night, 78 kids. I I also heard recently, uh, and this was such an incredible thing, the biggest commitment in the book, the biggest one, is the the five pastors in Nepal uh, that we're sponsoring for $100 a month. That's a lot of money. That's $1,200 a year. Five pastors is what we needed. Uh, Two days ago, the fifth pastor was taken. All five pastors covered. Guys, we are just getting started. Can we give the Lord a hand for that stuff? That's that's worth clapping over. We are just getting started. And so if you're sitting back saying, I'll wait till the last week, don't wait till the last week. In fact, today is an opportunity to give and to give generously. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. 
You know, a lot of times when we think of Christmas, we think of little baby Jesus, and we think that's really the story of Christmas. But the power of Christmas is not just in the birth of Christ, it's also in his death and in his resurrection. That the story wouldn't be that interesting if it was just a little baby Jesus. No, but the power of the story of Christmas is that it continues on to his death and resurrection. It begins in a dirty manger, continues to a wooden cross, and it ends with an empty grave. And we're now left with a wide world. A wide world that's sitting out there. And all throughout Jesus' ministry here on earth, including the very last week of his ministry, right here in Matthew 25, all of that, his ministry, he talks, he preaches, and he's basically telling us, all right, once I leave earth, once I resurrect and ascend, here's what you're going to do with the wide world that's left there, out there for you to minister to. And in Matthew 25, we have this talk that he's giving us, and he's sitting here with his disciples, and he's telling them about the end times, what's going to happen in the end. And then verse 31, he says, when the Son of Man, this is a title for Jesus. He loved this title. It means servant. It's the servant of man. When Jesus, the servant of man, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. So it's not just America, right? It's every nation. The, the, the word here is ethnos, right? It's the idea that every people group, every tribe, every language will be gathered here. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So Jesus here is telling them about the future judgment that's to come. And it says in verse 33, he will put the sheep on his right... And the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, take heaven, prepared for you since the creation of the world. Why? Why is he giving it to them? They're following Jesus, right? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the disciples are sitting there, and they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, what? They, they clearly don't understand what he's saying. Because look, look at the very next thing. Verse 37 says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's interesting. There's lots of different passages that talk about how we can love God, how we can connect with God, how we can have fellowship with God. 
And it's interesting because in this passage, there's not a single spiritual thing mentioned here. Now, there's other places where it is, right? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. There's, there's places where that's, that's, that kind of thing is mentioned. Prayer, fellowshipping with God, communion with God. None of those are mentioned here, though. What, is, what does he say here? Jesus connects love and affection for him, not just a, a, a list of spiritual tasks. He connects love and affection for him to hunger, to thirst, to homelessness, to nakedness, to health. He connects love and affection toward him to poverty. And we think, as we look at, at when the words Jesus is saying here, when we think about the world back then in the first century or just before the first century, we think, man, that things were bad. They're never as bad as they are right now. Right now, couldn't be worse. 27 million slaves. That's the, that's the most conservative estimate we have. 27 million slaves in the world right now, more than any other time in history. 1.2 million children a year are trafficked. And most of them go for about $30 a child. Over half the world lives on less than $2 a day. This wasn't a stock image. I actually took this image in Guatemala one year. That's their house behind there. This family goes through the trash and, uh, and puts plastic and aluminums and metals and things to try to generate income. Imagine living your entire life, the entire existence of your day. The sole purpose of half of the population in the world is just to find something to eat for that day. But it's not just food, it's water also. 20 hours a week on average. These impoverished families, 20 hours a week is what they're going to spend to get water. Seven miles a day is the average. Seven miles a day of walking is the average to find water to drink. And even then, it's the, the effort's wasted. Most of them still die from a waterborne illness. Think about that. 20 hours a week. What do we do for clean water? I'll tell you what we do. We walk right down this little hall right here. There's this machine right there. We just push the button and out comes water. 20 hours a week. The worst, the worst situation, the worst thing though, bigger than water, bigger than starvation, bigger than poverty, bigger than $2 a day, is that there are 3 billion people in the world who do not know Jesus, never heard of Jesus, and don't know anybody that could even tell them about Jesus. Our world is slammed full of both physical and spiritual poverty. So Jesus' words here weren't just for then, they are for now. And this passage in Matthew 25 is but a drop in the bucket of times where Jesus talks about poverty. In fact, there are over 2,000 verses in Scripture concerning poverty. 2,000. So the question is, what do we do with those verses? What do we do with what Jesus says to us about poverty? Do we close our eyes? Do we close our eyes like these children? You know, some, I was looking at this picture and I was like, I don't think they're closing their eyes. I th actually think they're praying in this picture. But there's something to think about there as well. 
Prayer is a powerful tool of God. But it's not the only tool that God gives us. God might be saying to us when it comes to poverty, when it comes to that situation, to maybe do more than just pray about something. To actually do something. Last week I showed you that we spend $1 trillion a year at Christmas. $1 trillion globally is spent a year. And if you take the, the, maybe the four or five main things that our world is facing, they are but fractions, fractions of what we spend a year at Christmas. And this was kind of where we were at last week, right? That we would conspire against this consumption culture to spend less and to give more to this, to what God can do with that. And this morning, I'm just going to tell you, is a special morning. Because everything that you see here on this graph, everything that you see here, what I love about the two ministries we're talking about this morning, they are attempting to take care of the needs of those one person at a time. They are, their ministry is designed in such a way where they're able to take care of the needs that are sitting there. Those four primary needs in a person's life. And they're doing it in a very practical and proactive way. They're doing it through children. Through what God is doing through children. The lives of children. So I want to take a moment this morning to first talk about Chispas of Change. Chispas of change is, uh, chispas is, is Spanish for sparks. When I heard it the first time, I thought they were saying cheese puffs. They're not saying cheese puffs. They're saying chispas, sparks of change, a ministry that operates in Guatemala, led by Callie and Estuardo Lopez. Callie grew up right here in this church. They operate a Christian school that specializes in discipleship, education, and nutrition to some of the most vulnerable children in their community. But rather than continue to talk about them, I want to introduce you to two children that are in that ministry, Alejandra and Celia. Listen to their story this morning. Celia and Alejandra were born in the heart of Guatemala in the quiet town of Santa Catarina Palopo on the shore of beautiful Lake Atitlan. Celia's dad died from alcoholism when she was three years old. Celia remembers this season of her early childhood. I didn't know anything about God back then. I was really small, so I wanted to do everything my older sisters did. But I didn't really know the difference between right and wrong. I was five years old when I started working in the streets selling souvenirs to tourists. My mom got a new boyfriend, but he sometimes hit me. Then he died too. I asked myself, if God exists, why does he make me suffer so much? When I was 11, I moved three hours away to Antigua to try to make money to support my family. Alejandra's childhood was similar. Her dad died from alcoholism when she was five years old. Alejandra asked herself, if God exists, why did he take my dad away from me? She was sent to live with her aunt and soon after started working in the street to make money for herself. Then her aunt died from diabetes. Alejandra moved to Antigua to sell souvenirs in the street and that's when she met Celia. While working on the streets of Antigua one Sunday morning, Celia and Alejandra wandered into the Lopez family's local church 
and were invited to attend Sunday school. Eduardo was teaching that morning and got to know the girls over the next few weeks. He offered them the opportunity to go to school and have a nutritious breakfast and lunch each day. The girls were intrigued and decided to give Chispas a change a try. Celia remembers that the first few weeks at Chispas were a big transition, but the girls adapted little by little. Celia completed fifth grade, and Alejandra completed fourth grade this year. A huge accomplishment for girls in Guatemala. They were both baptized in the waters of Lake Atitlan in August, surrounded by their classmates and teachers. Recently, Alejandra reflected on her first year at Chispas of Change. I'm making better choices now. At school, I learned that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Before coming to Chispas, I didn't know if God really existed. Now I know that God is the creator of everything. What I wanted the most in life was to be happy. I knew that to be happy, I would need a dad. Here at Chispas, I learned that God is my father and that his arms are always open. I may live far away from my family, but now Chispas has become my family because family are the people that teach us about God, love us, and protect us. When Celia and Alejandra graduate from Chispas, they hope to join the military reserves and be the light of Jesus wherever they go. Fourteen-year-olds living on the street, no parents. Fourteen-year-olds. This is a ministry that we have an opportunity to be behind. Most of which uh, come from this home. Actually, all of which come from either a single-parent home or no parents in the home. They, Callie and Eduardo, they blown me away with how they instill the gospel into these children, and they are currently implementing a chicken farm. So that these children, children just like Alejandra and Celia, don't have to continue to work in the streets of Antigua anymore. That they can have a place that's safe and give them responsible work so that God can use that in their lives to keep them away from harm. And so this is an opportunity for you to give this morning. The other ministry that I want to talk about this morning, the other ministry we want to spend a little time on is Compassion International. Why partner with Compassion? What's Compassion about? Because this is the reason. Their ministry works, and it works in such an effective way. Compassion's goal is to take a child living in extreme poverty and meet their spiritual, physical, educational, and emotional needs. When you support a child for $38 a month, that's it, right? That's less than most of our meals today at, 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 at uh, Sunday lunch. $38 a month, they receive nutritious meals, clean water. They receive clothing and shoes. They, they receive medical care, an education with specialized tutoring, Important life skills training on income-generating vocations so they have a career once they graduate from Compassion. Age-appropriate Bible teaching that facilitates them with the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. And the end result is a biblically self-sufficient adult whose life has been transformed. And they do all of this 
through the local churches there in the communities all around the world. And probably one of the most amazing things about compassion is it not only changes that child, it not only changes that child's family, it changes, it changes us. It changed us. I'm going to ask my wife, Crystal, to come on up. Crystal loves talking in front of people. Um, it's one of her favorite things to do. Um, but I wanted her to come up and just share what we've seen God do in our family through Compassion International and how not only it ministered to those children, but how it ministered uh, to us as well. You nervous? I'm just kidding. Just a little bit. Um, well, yes, like you said, it's been a huge impact to our family. But back in 2010, we were trying to count back. We were first introduced to Compassion. And shortly after, we began partnering um, with Compassion, um, which was a huge spiritual marker for our family. Um, at the time, um, you know, we were just had this desire, and God just started awakening it and giving us an option for where we could um, – reach out and reach in to what he was accomplishing um, across the nations. And so we began with um, two children. At the time, we had two children, Will and Jackson, and we decided we would find two that had the same birthdays as them, and that's where we started. And um, as our family grew, we decided that um, we just knew that God was saying, okay, you need to add more to um, to your compassion family. And so we, um, we decided to rescue two more children. And so now we have four compassion children, um, Anando. Um, is uh, right here the third, actually. <laughs> I'm going backwards. Um, and then, then we have Mosey um, right here. And then um, we have Nefarim. And then um, last over here is Emiliana. Um, and she is from Tanzania. Um, and um, in this process, it's not just about sending the $38 a month. There's so much more, like you said, so much more that we receive, but also that we're just able to um, communicate with them. And um, we've been able to write letters. It's something that you um, can do and definitely sh should do. It's just amazing um, how you're able to be a part of their life in this way, and you can encourage them, and they encourage you so much, but you get to um, celebrate things with them as they go through school and different accomplishments and pray for them, and they pray for you. It's just this sweetest thing, um, but it's just able to give these tangible reminders um, of the love of Jesus, and it's just an awesome way that we're able to do that, um, and then we're able to do this as a family. We have this picture up here, and we try to read the letters together as a family and pray together for them, and it's just um, just been able to give us a chance to teach our children God's design for his kingdom and his gospel. God's made this vision very clear to our family, that this was going to be something that we did as a family, a personal ministry that our family is able to do. And um, February of 2020, right before COVID happened, God did something amazing. He, he really just brought something together that we just could never imagine for ourselves. Uh, Scott Lemmerich, he's our compassion dude, our guru, uh, he invited us to go to Tanzania to visit Emiliana, and so we were actually able to go with compassion to actually visit one of our children. 
Yes, so we met Emiliana, and we got to meet her at um, her um, church that functions as the development center for her and hundreds of other children, and it was just so amazing But um, to be able to walk with her, and she proudly showed us all her classes, and um, she has computer classes, um, sewing classes, and agriculture, and she was able to show us some of the skills that she learned as she went through that, um, but all these are so amazing because it's giving each of these children, her included, just the goal of of um, one day being able to get a, a good job and um, be able to keep her in a place that's safe and um, and also um, just being able to um, have this opportunity with these other children and teachers there that care so much for them. Um, we were able to meet her church leaders there and teachers and um, saw that she also sings in the choir and um, she uh, was it sang for us and it was just beautiful and it was neat to have that connection with her since um, I have a love of music too so that was neat um, and she told us that one day she does want to come back and be able to um, help and teach and lead in the church there that she's a part of. <laughs> We were able to visit her home. There was a picture a minute ago or coming up of her dad and mom. And just to see, like, the biblical foundation they have as family. Um, you know, her dad's a hard worker. In fact, he was just coming in from the day of work, uh, just working hard to, to take care of their family. And it was such a cool thing to be in their home and to not at all feel like they're threatened by us being there. There's her mom right there on the screen. But not, not to feel threatened by us being a part of her life and helping her and helping her family, but just an amazing opportunity that we had. Yes, and um, we just, it was just amazing. Like I said, we were blown away, but not only just this opportunity, but just the connection she immediately had to us and the way she just clung to us. It was just the sweetest thing, and she even ended up calling us Mommy Crystal and Daddy Jonathan um, and continues to through her letters and um I just it's hard to really put into words what we were able to see and what we were able to be a part of there. But um, um, just being able to see um, what Compassion is doing and the hands-on part of it, um, it was just so beautiful to see the way these leaders there and the teachers and the church just gathers around these children and these community and just... Um, pouring into them and it just really affirmed for us like our partnership and investment that we've chosen to make in with compassion and um we um we are just like I said really blown away in all of it and just um I think it uh, just changed us just changed the way we um pray for these children and the way that we think of these children it just did amazing things um in that in our own spiritual um spiritual walk and I think one of the things that just stuck out to me too um, was she said it I think when I was there but she continues almost Emilia almost every time she has a letter she um, uses Ephesians or excuse me Isaiah 41 10 and it says do not fear for I am with you do not be dismayed I am your God I will strengthen you and help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand and through this relationship that we've been able to have through compassion it's just really um just really made it so amazing, this bond that we have, even all the way across um, the world, that we can have this same faith, the same hope, and the same love and care and strength from Jesus that just um, connects us and just allows us to love her and love our other children and these other ones in such an amazing way. And um, we're just so thankful that um, we're able to do this, and it's been such a gift to us. Yeah, and it was it was really the culmination, this trip was really the culmination of us seeing that a decade worth of investing in these children was not a waste. It was a real thing. It was a real opportunity to engage into the lives 
of these families. And for us, it was $38 a month a, a child, which wasn't, wasn't going to break us. And, uh, and my goal this morning is not to lead you to a place where uh, we haven't already been, right? Uh, and we're not here to, to try to beg for this. What we're saying uh, for this mission and this ministry is we, we really just want you to be a part of what we get to be a part of. Like, this has never felt like a burden for us. It's been a privilege. It's been a blessing the entire way. And our desire for you this morning is we want, we want you to be able to experience what we've been able to experience. Maybe not able to go to Tanzania, but seeing what God can do with your faithfulness and with your obedience. And, and this morning, today, we wanted to do more than just talk about compassion. We wanted to show you a living result. And so this morning, we have a former child from the country of Uganda, Africa, this morning, here with us to talk about what God's done in her life through compassion. I'm going to welcome to the stage Miss Nora Burungi. I think I'm saying that right. Can we give her a hand? Absolutely. Good morning, church. I'm so blessed to be here, and thank you so much, Pastor, for inviting me to share my story with you today. I come from Uganda. I was born in a family of six children, and I'm the sixth child. My mother is Ugandan, and my father was of the Randi's origin. I was born at a time when the country was at the height of civil conflict, where so many families suffered the socioeconomic consequences. To the urban poor living in the city, like my family, the consequences were dire. My mother was a hairdresser at one of her friend's saloons, and her job highly depended on how safe the city was at the time. The income from my mother's job was often not enough and really very little. On the other hand, my father was a soldier, and he served in the Rwandan army. Because of the nature of his job, he only made occasional trips, and I remember as a child, all his trips were made memorable. My father was a very, very, very good father. He wished the best for us. He wanted us to have the great future, to go to school and have a good life. But as time went on, my father's support stopped and the trips also stopped and everything changed. My father could not come home anymore. We got the news that my father and his entire family were killed in the genocide. Life took a terrible turn after the death of my father. We had no one to go to, no one to support us, and life really changed. My mother could not afford taking all of us to school, so we all dropped out of school because of lack of school fees. I remained home as other kids went to school, and that deprived me of my self-esteem and self-worth. I remember my brother started serving at building sites at a very, very young age. I can't tell you how many times we got kicked out of the house because of lack of house rent. So the fear of growing up illiterate and homeless were the most terrifying things a child can ever go through in life. For us at home to have a meal was a miracle. And when I say a miracle, a real, real miracle, because there are so many nights and days that went by and we totally had nothing to eat. And I remember one night, we didn't have something to eat. Mom came home, she didn't have anything. And she told us, let us pray, have a glass of water and go to bed. 
we went to bed very hungry because we didn't even have lunch. So I went to bed with so many questions. I was crying. We were all hungry. I had all these questions that nobody could answer. So I slept. And then in the morning, I woke up very, very hungry. I decided to go to my mother's workplace. I went there crying, and she was in shock seeing me because she had forbidden me crossing the road to go to the market. But I broke that rule because I was very hungry. When I went there, I found her working on one of her customers, and I told her, Mom, I'm hungry. My mom didn't say anything. She just looked at me and continued with whatever she was doing. And the lady she was working on asked her, you mean you didn't hear her say she's hungry? That's when my mom dropped everything she was doing and started to cry. I saw pain in my mother's eyes. As a mother, when a child asks you for something to eat, you give it to them. My mom had nothing, and that really broke my heart. The lady felt pity and gave her some money to go buy us something to eat. But before my mom went to buy us something to eat, she asked her, have you heard about Compassion International? My mom said, no, we had never heard about Compassion. She said, oh, it's an organization in the community. In one of the churches, actually the church is just next to your house. Let's go there and see if they can register Nora. My mom had never gone to church. She didn't know Jesus Christ, so that was news to her. Let me tell you, friends, we ran out of that saloon to run to that church where compassion was registering children. You could actually think we were chasing something or something was chasing us. We just wanted to go to that church and have an opportunity for me to get onto the compassion-assisted children list. When we reached at this church, the first thing I experienced was love and compassion itself. A lady ran to me and hugged me and asked me, would you please like to have a cup of porridge? I looked at my mom and asked her, how did they know I was even hungry? I said, of course I'd like to have a cup of porridge. So we went in the line, I got my cup of porridge, and I always tell this story to my children because this was the best meal I ever had in my life. And even as I speak right now, I remember that moment, I feel the taste of that porridge. And that was back then in 1994 when I was just 10 years old. I still feel the taste of that porridge because it was very precious. The porridge was made out of cornmeal, but it had milk. The milk in that porridge made it so precious. I grew up thinking that only rich kids, children from rich families, took milk, but I found it in porridge. That made it so special. And I won't lie to you, I had two cups of porridge, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and a banana, and then I went into a line that changed my life. I got registered as a compassion-registered child, and everything changed from that moment. I got enrolled back into school immediately. Like It was like in a twink of an eye, I was back to school. All my scholastic materials were paid 100%. I never, ever got kicked out of school ever again. After a few months, I received the greatest news that every child desires to receive. I received the news that I got sponsors, Jeff and Bonnie. My sponsors loved me so much. I always had children talk about their sponsors. I didn't know how special, precious that was. When I received Jeff and Bonnie as my sponsors, I always say that these were the best people that God ever brought into my life. My sponsors already 
always wrote to me letters and told me, Nora, we love you. You're special and you'll make it. I'd never had anybody tell me they loved me. Jeff and Bonnie were the first to tell me. And in their letters, they always emphasized those three phrases. We love you, you're special, and you'll make it. I knew that somebody out there believed in me. I started believing in myself. I didn't know I was special until Jeff and Bonnie told me. Those letters were the best and precious gifts that I always received. And every month I could highlight those three words because they kept me going. I knew how special I was. I knew how much I was loved. And I knew I was going to make it out of that slum I lived. My mom didn't know about anything about Jesus Christ. We never knew about Jesus Christ. My mom was always struggling, hustling. She didn't have time to even go to church. So Compassion gave me my first Bible, and I always ba went back home and gave it to my mom. I told her, Mom, we read about this story. We read about this story. Please read for me this story. I want to know more about this. My mom started reading to me the Bible because I couldn't read in my local language, and I couldn't read by that time. So she always read for me the stories. And for her reading to me the stories, she started falling in love with the stories in the Bible. Then one day she told me, oh, Nora, I'd like to come to your church. I want to learn more about Jesus Christ. Who is this man? My mom started coming to church. Before I knew it, my mom gave her life to Jesus Christ. My brothers too. My brother used to come to the compassion program to eat. He wanted the good food at the compassion program. He started coming to church because he wanted to learn more about Jesus Christ. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. Everybody in my family gave their life to Jesus Christ because of the great gospel we always receive from the compassion program. Today, my entire family has given their life to Jesus Christ, and my sister is a pastor today because of that great gospel. Compassion took me through with everything. My life changed in my, in my family. My medication was taken care of. Everything changed. I became a normal child with so many dreams, and I can tell you, I... I I achieved my dreams because I went to school. I was sponsored until I graduated with a bachelor's degree in social work and social administration, and everything changed in my family. Today, I'm a special education teacher. I work with children with special needs, and I'm very, very, very grateful because it was because of that sacrifice that Jeff and Bonnie made for me just to make me know that I can make it in life. They sacrificed their life for me, and they changed my entire life. I don't think I'd be standing here before you if it wasn't because of the sacrifice that my sponsors, Jeff and Bonnie, gave for me to go to school and meet Jesus Christ. Because through the compassion program, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Today you have an opportunity to change a life of a child living in poverty. You can be the Bonnie in that child's life. A child who desires, who longs to hear the word, we love you, you're special, you're going to make it. Just three words. And you are that person today. You can change a life of a child laying, I mean, put down here on these tables, and they can become somebody, a child who has lost hope. That Nora who is right there, you can be the Bonnie and Jeff today to change their lives. God bless you so much. Amen. Man, aren't you thankful, aren't you thankful that a family made room for one more, made room for Nora? I'm so thankful for that. Jeff and Bonnie 
made room for one more in their family. Because that's really what you do when you rescue a child. When you sponsor a child, you're making room in your family for one more. And so here at Pleasant City Church today, we have five countries that we're focused on today. Many of them we chose because we already have work going on in those countries. Those countries are Guatemala, Colombia, Kenya, Tanzania, and Thailand. And our desire today for you and for our church is that we would see 75 children rescued today. Today, 75. Honestly, I think we could probably do more than that, 100. But our goal is 75 children from these countries today. And our our desire is that. And so the question that I want to leave you with here for this moment to think about is this. Do you have room for one more? Growing up as a child, life was very hard. And many other times that if we didn't have food, then we'd go to scavenge in the, in the dumping site. I didn't have food the day before, neither the other day before. I only knew that I was hungry and I needed food. As a child, I grew up with a lot of hopelessness and I knew that death was the best thing for me. At the age of seven, I lost three family members. I lost my mom and I lost my stepdad. I lost my small brother, Patrick, because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. In the middle of prostitution. Feeling so helpless. Poverty made me feel less valued. It made me feel not loved. It made me feel uh, less of a human. It's so hard when you have not eaten dinner and knowing you'll not have lunch and you're not assured for dinner the following day. It's just feeling very helpless, like things are not going to be better. I lost four of my siblings due to preventable diseases. Uh, Three of them died before the age of five. My sister, we were sleeping with her in the same bed and she, she had died. Things changed later when I joined the program. When I started attending the Compassion Project, I was learning about the Bible, but the most important thing for me was that I was receiving food. I got an opportunity to go to school. Uh, with a pair of school uniform, with a pair of shoes. My mother heard about a church that worked with children. They're taking care about me, tutors, a pastor, a compassion director. Words are very powerful. My life was changed because someone told me, I believe in you, I love you, and I know you will succeed in life. My sponsor was a college student from Michigan, and in the first letter, She just told me that she wanted to make room for me. My sponsor, he was eight years old when I was nine, so he was one year younger than me. One decision to make room for one more changed my life. 
saved my life. Save my life. Will you make room for a child that needs you? Will you make room for one more? It's up to you. My name is Rafael. My name is David. My life was changed by a 26 years old college student. Her name is Joan. Gail and Roger. Her name is Jamie. My sponsor made room for one more. And that one more. And that one more was me. Was me. Sponsor a child through compassion today. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's what this chair is about today. It's an open seat. A seat for one more uh, in your life. A seat for one more in your family. A seat for one more spiritually at your table. And it's an opportunity for us today. I know a few years ago we had a Compassion Sunday just like this. And for some of you, you're thinking, I already have one, Jonathan. I already, I'm good to go. But maybe today God is saying, hey, maybe it's time for the second, the third, or maybe even the fourth child today. A seat for one more in your family. And you know, that used to kind of stress me out a little bit when I started thinking about the money behind that. It used to be like, you know, some of you guys are big on the budgets, and I'm kind of like this, and I'd be thinking about, okay, how, how do I do this? How do I make this happen? Until you're really starting to think about, like, what we're going to spend our money on, right? That, that meal at me pub, half the cost of my 23rd pair of shoes, right? Man, this is so easy and so doable, and it is such a blessing. You know, when we're faced with a decision like this, we can either make an excuse or we can make a difference. And our desire for you today is that you would see the great opportunity to make a difference in the life of a child. You know, we're talking about light. Light has come into the world. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into the world. And it's our job, it's our responsibility to continue to push back darkness in countries just like where Nora's from there in Uganda. Just like countries in Tanzania and Guatemala. That we have an opportunity to push back darkness and bring light into the life of a child and the life of their family. So today... Let's push back the darkness. I'm going to invite my friend Scott to come up and give us some instruction about what we get to do next. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening, right? And here's, I, I've been through this before, and I've been sitting here, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Will you stop? Will you let me go so I can do this, right? So here's how you do this. It, the, the, the packet looks like this. It's pretty simple. It's one piece in three sections. The top part of this packet, will, the front of it, will give you a picture of your child and the name they go by and their date of birth. And then on the back of it, it'll give you a little refresher for what the $38 a month covers. Pastor after pastor after pastor has been on trips with me before, and they've watched the work that Compassion does. And I'm not making this up. Um, and they'll say, how in the world is all of that done with $38 a month? I have no idea. I say loaves and fishes, that's how. It's God just doing that again. It'll blow your mind, it really will. 
right? And I'm standing before you as someone that used to think these were stock photos, that the kid didn't even exist. I heard a lot of horror stories about sponsorship ministries. Am I the only one? Okay. So it's okay if you're skeptical, because I was. And my son talked me into sponsoring my first child because my favorite actor is Denzel Washington, and the kid's name was Denzel. He says, Dad, dude, you got to do this. Little did he know that his other name, his name is Emmanuel Denzel in Beatley. My favorite name for God is Emmanuel. What does it mean? God, where is he? Is he far away? He's with us. And little did I know, I went on a trip. Uh, the guy at Compassion invited me to go meet my child, just like I did for Jonathan. That's why I wanted to invite Jonathan and Crystal, because it changed my life. It made me feel a little guilty, because I'd never prayed for my Compassion child. I'd never written him a letter, ever. He didn't exist. I'd forgotten they were even taking $38 a month out of my account. And then when I got to see what compassion does up close, it changed everything. And I came back two years later, compassion calls me and asked me, would I be interested in working there? And I said, nope, but I don't say no to God. I'll apply, and if, if he opens the doors, I'll go. Well, nine and a half years later, my wife and I made a commitment to God that every year he leaves me at compassion, we're making room for one more. So we're rescuing nine kids now. And here's what I want to tell you. I don't make the money Jonathan makes, right? Um, who does? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, he's a pastor, guys, uh, and he's incredible. And I can tell you that every pastor could be making a lot more money doing something else. I was a pastor for 13 years, so I'm, I'm kind of kidding, sort of. But his shoe, his shoe game is strong. But, um, but what I found out was, listen, here's what pastors will say. You give up a latte, and you can sponsor a child. I'm telling you this, the truth. You can keep the latte. You will give up nothing to do this because you're being obedient to God. My wife's the accountant. She'll be here in second worship. You can ask her. At first, she was like, man, I don't know about this, God. That's 38, and then the next year it was 76. And, she, I, don't, and I said, Do, can we outgive God or not? Right? And so we've given up nothing to do it, and you won't either. So I'm just telling you, some of you can sponsor more than one child today. And if you do that, thank you. Uh, it's completely tax deductible. So a business can pay for it out of your business account. Grandfathers. I'm a grandfather now. I've got three grandchildren. Grandfathers and grandmothers, raise your hand right quick. Could you do that? Yes. Isn't it awesome? Um, some of the things that we do with our grandchildren that we didn't do with our children, I just love getting back at my kids. But anyway, what I was going to tell you, I, had a, I was in Denver, North Carolina. True story. Compassion Sunday. Nice looking older dude walks up to the table. I've got 10 grandchildren. I'm going to sponsor 10 kids. One per grandchild. I'm going to let them be the sponsor. I'm going to pay for it. And then I'm going to make sure my kids continue the sponsorship after I go to heaven. And he says, I want to leave that kind of legacy of generosity with my grandchildren. How powerful is that? You can do that, right? If you do more than one child, we're just going to ask you to complete one card, and then we'll tear the other pieces off and staple them together, okay? These are real kids, just like Nora was. And they're waiting on a rescuer just like me and you, right? 
And my favorite part about this is as you're rescuing the children, God rescues you right back. Some of you are like I was. You're, you're on the Christian treadmill. You've been clocking in and clocking out at church on Sunday for 15 years, some of you longer than that, and down deep, you're kind of bored with your walk with God. Can I just tell you, especially the men, I'm going to talk to the men, if you're bored with your walk with God, it's not God. It's us in our comfort zones, being convenient. That's my money. <laughs> Stop it. I was a financial planner for years. Do you know how many kids get rid of everything you leave them three months, three years after you're gone? It drives me nuts. I'm like, why don't you do something powerful with that now? And that is why Christmas is such a great time for compassion. So this year, instead of spending $38 on another gift that will be forgotten about by Valentine's Day, what if you changed a child's life forever? right if you're watching online you can participate with us too you're part of our church family all you got to do is text the word pleasant to 83393 and you'll receive a link to rescue a child from one of the pleasant city partner churches in one of our five focus countries you got it are you any questions pretty simple just tear off the bottom piece fill out the front and the back and bring it back to us at the table i'm going to ask you to stand could you do that for me we're going to do something different today you know, we normally sing a song and we leave. We try to beat the other Baptists to the buffet, right? Um, today, Pastor Jonathan's going to pray. And when he says amen, we're going to be the church. We're going to be the church today. Can you do that? All we're asking you to do is live a little more simply so others can simply live. I'll meet you at the tables. 75 is going to be nothing. You guys are incredible. God bless you. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you, Lord, that we've been given so much, Lord. We thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. And God, we thank you for the privilege to give ourselves, Lord. So, Father, help us to be obedient in this moment, Lord. God, this is our application, Lord. So we just want to give this application to you, Lord. We've heard the word. We've heard testimony of your faithfulness. And now we want to act on your faithfulness, Father. Lord, help us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, he said it. The tables are open. We have three tables up here and two in the back.